everyone. Good morning. It's Friday, the 22nd of June, 2018. Welcome back to another episode of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the only twice-weekly podcast on autonomous cars in the world. Today, episode 40. Wow, it's hard to believe we're 40 episodes deep into the show already, and we're not quite yet into four months. That'll occur sometime next week. And of course, I've got you to thank for all this, because without your support, um, sharing with your friends and colleagues, of course, the fantastic feedback, the ratings I'm getting on iTunes podcast, which, by the way, I'm happy to say I still maintain a solid 5.0 star rating on iTunes podcast. So thank you so much for that. It's thanks to you that this little side project has turned into rather a bit more um so very exciting indeed and in fact it's a big reason why i went ahead and decided to launch a dedicated homepage for this podcast over at markhogue.com which if you haven't checked it out please do and if you have and if you do uh please excuse some of the weird sort of technical issues here and there because i'm still kind of getting things sorted out i can build a website but apparently i have issues with wordpress go figure Anyway, diving in then, uh, today, self-driving cars will be worse for the environment. Maybe. Maybe not. Nobody knows. It depends. Uh, The luxury autonomous car paradox, and how cities will avoid bankruptcy in the age of autonomous vehicles. All this, right now. All right, but first, a quick update on the tragic Uber accident from several months ago in which the Uber Volvo XC90 test vehicle struck and killed a pedestrian in Arizona. So it turns out, not really to anyone's surprise, the backup test driver was, in fact, distracted. New information today suggests that perhaps the driver was actually watching a streaming video on Hulu um, at about exactly the time of the accident. So... As a reminder, you know, one might argue, why didn't the autonomous braking system kick in? So just to be perfectly clear, there are two layers of potential braking systems. One is the automatic emergency braking system that the Volvo itself has. Uh, This system, however, was disabled for purposes of testing the autonomous braking system um, being developed by Volvo and Uber together. And, um, well, that system failed to operate because presumably the LiDAR couldn't determine whether the blob in front of the car was in fact a person and her bicycle as opposed to, say, a large plastic bag blowing in the wind. So neither did the automaker's standard automatic emergency braking system kick in because it was switched off, nor did the autonomous braking system operate. And on top of that, the third layer of backup, the human driver, was distracted watching a movie. So there you have it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I want to touch kind of briefly on this because admittedly we got into this topic uh, about, I don't know, a couple weeks ago when discussing Professor Sperling's book from UC Davis, The Three Revolutions, uh, in which he had discussed the 
necessity that, ra- that rather than just focusing on electric cars and autonomous cars, there need to be a third factor, what he calls pooling, or we might think of as carpooling, uh, car sharing, ride sharing, ride hailing, if you like, lifts, Ubers, and so on. Uh, namely, the fact that individual car ownership needs to go out the window. And here's why. So think about, um, think about autonomous cars once they're fully fleshed out, and I'm talking sort of level five, no steering wheel, no, <clears throat> no go and stop pedals. Think of autonomous cars, and I realize this is a somewhat sobering, depressing thought, but on their own, they're really not going to be much more than, or I should say, they're really not going to do much more from a certain point of view in certain scenarios than simply adding lanes to a freeway. Now, that seems a bit weird of a thing to say, and certainly a strange analogy, but if you think about it, just sort of bear with me here, you'll see what I'm on about, right? So obviously, as we all know, in 2018, adding more and more lanes to freeways just doesn't work. Um, And the logic is pretty simple, right? So suppose on any given day, if you want to get from A to B, suppose you've only got like this little tiny dirt road. Now, suppose that A is a sort of a proper, properly sized town or even a city and and B is also. Nevertheless, if it's really, really hard to get from A to B, there's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty small number of people trying to make that journey all the time because say they're separated by just, I don't know, five miles, but it'll take 10 hours. Obviously nobody's going to do that. And obviously those numbers don't add up at all, but whatever, you see my point. On the other hand, if now suddenly a huge sort of four-lane freeway is built between those two cities, well, now obviously it's very easy to get from A to B, and so everyone's going to start doing it. Well, eventually that freeway is going to reach full capacity. It's going to be at sort of a saturation point, if you will, and then it's going to start taking a long time to get from A to B once again. And so there's going to be an upper bound at which the total sort of throughput of traffic, the the flow rates, I guess, if you will, uh, will reach a, a, um, it'll sort of plateau, and that'll be kind of, the upper bound of people traveling between A and B. So then the solution says, then I say solution, the solution, not a solution, uh, is to add more lanes to that freeway. So you go ahead and you add another lane or two and well, now suddenly it's easier to get from A to B again. And so more people start trying to go from A to B and well, again, it's going to just keep ramping up until you kind of reach this plateau point. And again, it's reached full saturation. There's, uh, you know, once again, you can't get from A to B. So that's the problem with freeways. Adding lanes just doesn't work. Well, so the analogy is is that with autonomous cars, it's going to be kind of the same thing. So I've often said, and I'm sure many of you have read elsewhere as well, that one of the great blessings of autonomous cars is potentially, tragically, going to also be a bit of a curse. Because, you see, autonomous cars stand to totally change the very fabric of how cities are built. And when I say cities, I mean really the suburbs. That's gonna, they're going to totally change the way in which people... Uh, live and especially how they commute to the extent that autonomous cars will effectively, well, they they will totally undo the very concept of what it means to commute. So that's the good thing. Um, On the other hand, it's precisely because autonomous cars will kill the very notion of commuting, namely that now living, say, an hour away from your work won't really be a hassle anymore. Because rather than sort of dealing with stop and go traffic, um, you know, losing sleep, losing time to actually get work done, now you can actually, I don't know, sleep in your car or get work done in your car, rather like taking the train, say. Well, maybe you can see where I'm going with this, but if it ends up being the case that, you know, 
people no longer are sort of geo-limited or time-limited by their commutes or simply by the difficulty of getting from A to B, or going back to the freeway analogy, if there's just not enough lanes on the freeway to make it worth trying to get from A to B, well, now suddenly if it's super easy to do this, well, commutes, or for that matter, even leisure activities, you know, road trips, um, people will no longer sort of hesitate whether to do these things because, well, it doesn't require any effort anymore. You just sort of get in the car, go to sleep, or do something else not driving, and then the car will get you from A to B. Um, so, so, so basically what this means then is that people are going to be much more kind of um, less critical about whether to go on a drive at all because ultimately it won't really be them driving anymore. It's just you get in a pod a thing with wheels, and it'll take you there. So I think you can see where I'm going with all this, right? So, so the concern is that, so if people are less sort of um, concerned about whether to go on a trip at all, more and more people will be going on more and more trips, more and more drives. And so if everything else remains the way it is now, meaning, you know, we still don't have a super majority of electric cars uh, at the very least, and if, to those of you who are saying, yes, yes, but if all cars were electric, we'd be you know, it would be worse for the environment because we'd be, uh, we would need more electricity and that would be therefore more polluting. Yeah, obviously we need both more electric cars and cleaner tr- sources of energy because of course we do. Um, and so the concern is that unless we get to that point, then autonomous cars are actually going to be worse for the environment because more people will be driving more places, more distances, more of the time. So it is a bit of a paradox. And frankly, to loop it back to this episode uh, from a few weeks ago, again, going back to Professor Sperling's book, The Three Revolutions, this is why it's so crucially important that we focus not only on um, electric cars and um, autonomous cars, but also, and one might say, especially on carpooling, ride sharing, ride hailing, and getting us away from the sort of single car, single-person ownership model, because that's just catastrophic, totally unsustainable. And, you know, without that, without this huge cultural shift away from individual car ownership, none of this progress in electric cars and autonomous cars will amount to anything at all. I just realized the first part of that previous segment, I accidentally left the background music track on. Sorry about that. Um, All right, so let's talk briefly about a thing which has turned up a bit in the past, which is this notion that autonomous cars are in many ways sort of a paradox to the very luxury brand of certain automotive marks. Um, they're, they're, they're just sort of, uh, they're sort of antithetical to the very essence of those brands when you think about it, right? So and we, we've talked about this before, this, this notion that, you know, can you imagine, as I've said in the past, if, um, I don't know, if Porsche were to release a car a new 911 Carrera, say, without a steering wheel. What? This, this would not be a Porsche. Like, people would go mad. I mean, as I said, if you, if you thought people, uh, you know, went nuts when Porsche switched from air cooling to water cooling, if you thought they went berserk when Porsche decided to unleash an SUV to the world, just wait till you see what's going to happen when Porsche release a 911 Carrera without a steering wheel and pedals. I mean, this just wouldn't fly. Or take BMW, for instance, the ultimate driving machine. Can you imagine going to your dealership, picking up a BMW M4, you sit in the driver's seat, only no steering wheel. This just wouldn't make any sense. And so it kind of 
begs the question, how are these luxury car brands, and I say luxury, that's not really fair. Let's just say automotive enthusiast brands, right? So let's go down to the other end of the scale, say, um, um, so I'm a huge fan of, of Ford Mustangs. I had one in college. Um, if ever there was an example of a truly passionate vehicle with a soul that's really stood the test of time for decades, um, popular not just here in its home country of the United States, but also elsewhere around the world, surely the Mustang is it. I mean, again, can you imagine a Mustang where, I mean, people are already sort of up in arms about the fact that, you know, you can now walk into a dealership, buy a Mustang with a 10-speed automatic gearbox, which, and I just read this today, the new 2019, I think, the new 2019 Mustang, um, yeah, the 10-speed automatic equipped Mustang GT is quicker to 60 by a half a second over the six-speed manual. I mean, that's already sort of, that's just blasphemy, right? Um, but now can you imagine if this Mustang no longer had a steering wheel? I mean, so, so there's, this is a very real, I mean, it's kind of funny to joke about, um, but it's a very real problem, right? So, so I was reading this article over at 2025 AD, you should check it out, and, and they actually touch on this a bit, right? And um, I, I can't remember whether I mentioned this myself in a previous episode as well. Um, I suggested, or if I didn't, I certainly meant to have suggested that, that I think there are certain brands for which um, driving is more of an afterthought while the emphasis is more on the luxury, on the chauffeurability, if you will, uh, of, the, of the vehicle. Um, so to give, give some examples, right, at kind of the more um, pedestrian end of things, shall we say, and I mean not in the sort of walking across the street sense, but in the more uh, <laughs> plebeian sense, if you will, uh, you've got sort of a base Mercedes E-Class or, say, an A-Class, but not sort of the hopped-up A&G model, just the sort of regular, what is it, the a 200 i guess or a250 and or the the you know the c300 say and you know they're properly good cars but they're not really pitched as proper sporting cars i mean most people don't go into a dealership cross shop say uh a c300 against an m4 it just doesn't happen it is the case with say a mercedes amg that this will be a big deal but with these sort of more base models i don't think it'll be too much of an issue their focus is indeed more on sort of coddling you along the road and sort of just getting you from A to B safely and comfortably. On the upper end of the scale, you've got brands like, say, Bentley, right, and uh, Rolls-Royce. Um, and actually, going back to Mercedes, certainly you've got their top-of-the-range S-Class, right, um, and of course their Maybach trim. So in these models, it's often the case, almost, almost entirely always the case, especially with the Maybach Mercedes and certain Rolls Royces that drivers tend not to be the owners. Rather, the owners tend to be the passengers in the back being chauffeured along while the driver is, well, the chauffeur. The point being, it's very often the case that in these luxury land yachts, as they're known, um, people are already effectively enjoying a lifestyle that'll be brought about to us mere mortals um, by autonomous cars. So, Interestingly enough, or, or now that I say this out loud, maybe not so surprising though, the, you know, the, obviously the first generation, the first wave of autonomous vehicles, of course, it's going to be sort of a luxury and then it'll then, it'll then sort of trickle down as is always the case with automotive car tech. Um, and I think similarly, we're going to see that it's going to be these really sort of upscale um, luxury barge vehicles of manufacturers and, and of course the brands that are going to really embrace these more because again, 
you've got these owners who are already usually being passengers and not drivers, so it's not going to be that big of a deal. So I think what's weird, though, especially considering, because I know a lot of you are going to sort of write me in and say, yeah, but Mark, look, there's so many sort of lower end, less expensive vehicles currently in development with autonomous car tech. Yeah, so I'm not suggesting that at the very low end, my point is not that um, there's, there's going to be a bifurcation with respect to the price point of cars. No, I agree with you completely that the, you know, both at the low end and the high end, and indeed everywhere in the middle, we're going to see autonomous car tech sort of surging into the marketplace very, very quickly in the next five to 10 years. Now, I am suggesting, however, there's going to be a bifurcation in the acceptance of autonomous car tech with respect to the brand, the, the soul, the enthusiasm, the automotive enthusiasm or lack thereof with respect to not just the brand as a whole, but specifically with respect to certain uh, models within that brand, right? So again, thinking more of like the M cars of BMW, not the regular cars, the AMG cars versus the non-AMG cars of Mercedes. Um, you know, so, so I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a real sort of split, a real fork in the road there. Uh, pun not intended. Um, but I'm curious what you think. Um, do let me know. Remember, you can leave voicemails on anchor.fm. You can write me in. Um, give me your thoughts on this. I'm really curious. I think it's a very interesting thing, if only from a sort of a business 101 and marketing course point of view. All right. So as I close out this third and final segment of today's episode this morning, um, I'm realizing that these that all these segments this morning have to do with the same concept, namely a paradox, right? So for the first segment, we talked about the paradox of autonomous cars and the environment, a moment ago, we just talked about the paradox between autonomous cars and certain car brands and models. And now we're about to talk about the paradox as between autonomous cars and cities, and specifically what it means for cities' finances, right? Because when you think about it, so, so let me just back up for a moment. Make no mistake, autonomous cars are an absolute win for all of us, even if some of us don't think so yet, because we will all be on board. We'll all agree very, very soon, um, you know. First, autonomous cars will essentially mean that our car ownership or lack thereof will drive our uh, our actual car costs down to zero, or rather it'll enable us to make money on cars, right, as they sort of drive around and pick up passengers during the day when we're at work or, you know, just hanging out at our house. Um, so, so that's really great for us. Obviously, it's going to drive down car insurance costs to basically zero, I guess. Health insurance, too, should take a huge drop because... Well, driving a car tends to be the most difficult thing most of us, many of us do every single day. So that's got to have a nice big impact on health insurance costs. Um, you know, but, but, but the downside is, is that uh, cities, right? So how, how are cities going to make money? Because, well, again, to our, to, to our benefit, you know, the, there's no longer going to be a thing as parking tickets and even moving violations, speeding tickets, right? These will all kind of become a thing of the past. So how are cities going to make money? For those of you who may not know, cities tend to make a ton of their money off of, off of you know, traffic uh, citations. I know San Francisco certainly is infamous for this. There's just countless jokes about the amount of money that San Francisco makes off of parking tickets people losing track of how many parking tickets they have and so on, right? So this is a really big deal. In fact, it's such a big deal, I feel like just stopping the episode right here and just leaving it as an open question to you. What is your proposed solution? How are cities supposed to make up the money that they're going to be losing, inevitably losing, as autonomous cars roll out? Now, obviously, the easy solution is, of course, the big, bad T word, right? Taxes. Um, but as we all know from Basic Econ 101, taxes bring with them the whole slew of problems of their own, right? 
in the theoretical realm, you've got this concept of a deadweight loss. In practical terms, it's going to mean some. It's going to mean something like I don't know. It's going to certainly hinder the rollout of autonomous cars, and that's certainly bad too. We don't want to hinder the rollout. The question is, how do we rather facilitate and indeed expedite the rollout of autonomous cars without cities going bankrupt, right? And furthermore, even if we did impose taxes, right? So what would that even look like? I mean, obviously, I guess one easy answer is sort of what Metro Mile, the new insurance company, does. Maybe tax per mile driven. I guess another example would be uh, tax based on passengers in the car, or rather the inverse of that, I should say, the you know, tax based on the absence of passengers in these autonomous cars driving about, right? The whole point is that if an autonomous car is going to be filling up space on the roadways, it better be full of passengers. And, you know, you can tax based on loading zones, the, 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 what, what few parking zones will remain, those will be heavily taxed, of course, because, again, we don't want cars taking up space. We want to reclaim road space, especially parking spots uh, for use for pedestrians, bicycles, outside, I don't know, eating areas for restaurants, that kind of thing. So, so either way you look at it, this is a really, really sticky situation. It's a very delicate thing to sort out. So, yeah, I, I will just sort of end it here. Leave it as an open question to all of you. Please shoot me some ideas. Leave me a voicemail on Anchor.fm if you like. And, you know, I'm happy to, you know, uh, publish your voicemail on the next episode, if you like. Uh, you can write me in directly on, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, on, on Twitter, and uh, let's just have a chat about this, because I think it's a very interesting thing indeed. Um, oh, and by the way, speaking of my new website, markhoke.com, you can actually reach out to me. There's a contact form there if you just want to shoot me a note, which I will receive as an email. Um, but yeah, let's hear your ideas, and I'll, I'll promise to discuss the best one or several ones uh, in a future episode. All right, well, that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Again, please check out the new website at markhogue.com. Also, I realized, I don't think I've ever shared with you that besides reaching out to me on LinkedIn and finding me on Quora, you can also find me on Medium, where I've been publishing many articles over a range of topics for quite some time now, Uh, not necessarily related to autonomous cars, but if you're just interested in reading other things I have to talk about, head on over to medium.com slash at markhogue. Anyway, It is Friday, so I wish you a wonderful weekend ahead. Make the best of it. Enjoy it. Relax. Have a wonderful time. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.